Today we are joined by Tony Druitt, author of our ITGP book, A Manager's Guide to ISO 22301. Hi Tony, thank you for joining us today. Firstly, I just want to talk a bit about your experience and how it influenced the decision to write this book. Well, when I started getting involved in business continuity back in 2001, I discovered that there were very few sources of authoritative information about the discipline. And everybody I spoke to had a different way of doing things. Uh, And those that did have anything to say about it couldn't really give a sensible explanation as to how business continuity as a whole thing was supposed to work. Most people had uh, some specialised knowledge in certain areas, particularly in IT disaster recovery. But as far as the whole of the BCM discipline was concerned, and this was before ISO 22301, it was before BS 25999, which uh, preceded that, and it was even before PAS 56, uh, which was another document written by BSI. It was even before that. So there was nothing uh, nothing written down, really, about how to do business continuity. Uh, And later on, when I'd had quite a lot of experience in in, uh, being a a business continuity practitioner, um, I realised that in the market there wasn't very much written about this, so I thought, well, I've got a lot of knowledge and experience now, so why don't I put it down for others to benefit from? What would you determine as a good business continuity plan? Um, Well, it's quite easy to do, really, because most business continuity plans uh, are incomplete. Um, And the most common failing with business continuity plans is that they're based on assumptions, and very often those assumptions turn out to be untested, unproven, and just wrong. Um, So it's quite easy to spot a bad one, um, although you very often have to speak to the person who wrote the plan or the the person responsible for implementing it to determine uh, the level of assumption that's behind it and and, and whether it's a valid set of assumptions. Um, The other things that uh, good business continuity plans need to do is, first of all, there are two main phases. There's the incident response phase, and when, when there is an incident, Um, It requires um, varying levels of of response. If, for example, it's something like a fire or an explosion, then that's going to require a lot of incident response. If, on the other hand, it was something like a a cyber attack, whilst that can be critical to the organisation, there isn't the level of um, energy or panic sometimes that you get around physical incidents. So the plan has to include that stage, and there then has to be a sensible point at which the the business of recovering activities uh, starts. And uh, so a good business plan has to identify what conditions that uh, those decisions can be taken in, um, what sort of triggers mean that the organisation can then turn its attention to beginning recovery of of business activities. And it's then got to uh, detail exactly how and where the activities are going to be recovered. Very often plans just say, well, we'll go and recover this somewhere uh, without any level of detail or any knowledge as to how it's going to be done. And anyone who's ever conducted an exercise, a decent exercise, will realise that if you do that, then uh, the assumptions that sit behind those rather empty plans uh, mean that the the plan just isn't workable. So with a bit of experience uh, and knowledge, it's possible to determine quite easily whether a business continuity plan is, is workable. And that's how I do it. Can you describe the differences between business continuity and disaster recovery and how they work together? Um, Yes, of course. Disaster recovery uh, as a term, as an expression, uh, predates business continuity. It started in the 1970s or even arguably in the 1960s when uh, some larger enterprises started using computers to run their businesses. And they realised that these computers could go wrong and if they did go wrong then it was kind of all or nothing. 
So uh, the large mainframe companies like uh, IBM and Hewlett-Packard and people like that uh, introduced this service whereby if a mainframe computer were to fail, they could bring along a spare one, um, often on the back of a lorry, uh, to a company, uh, and they simply had to um, get their uh, data tapes out of storage, put them onto the replacement computer, and within usually a matter of two or three days, they could be up and running again. So that was disaster recovery, and for many years, that's what people thought was all that was needed for an organisation to improve its resilience against disruptive incidents. It was really only in the early 2000s that the expression business continuity came about when people realised that there was an awful lot more to running a business than computers. You needed people and of course people are much harder to replace than computers and data and you usually needed somewhere to operate like an office, workspace and in many industries you needed operational facilities like machinery, uh, production equipment, tools, vehicles and so on. Uh, and that was all part of being able to, to resume a business. If you just have computers that's no good unless you've got the other resources that you need to uh, to operate the business activities. So business continuity really evolved as, a, as an expression um, during the perhaps late uh, uh, 1990s or early 2000s as this realisation uh, came to many people. And it was the uh, investment banking sector really that led the, um, uh, the development of business continuity because uh, not only were they um, in the vanguard of using disaster recovery services because of the critical nature of what they do. But they were also driven by their uh, regulator, the then Financial Services Authority, now the Financial Conduct Authority, um, who had a, uh, made an expectation that those organisations would be able to withstand operational disruptions. Of computer systems, yes, but, but uh, later on, uh, of other operational resources, especially people and, and somewhere to work. So these days, business continuity is all about the whole of the organization's capability to recover, all of the resources it needs uh, to do that. And disaster recovery really is the, uh, seen as the, uh, the part that deals with the operational resources, the computers, the workspace, the people, the tools, the equipment, whatever it might be. Um, but the, the plans to recover operational activities uh, and including the incident response phase, that's what makes up the broader subject of business continuity management. How will implementing ISO 22301 benefit organisations? Uh, well, in two main ways, really. Uh, the first one is that by achieving uh, accredited certification, the organisation has um, an independent statement of capability of assurance that it can give or show to any third party, particularly uh, customers or clients, uh, to prove that its uh, operational resilience capabilities, its recovery capability, uh, is fit for purpose. Um, so that's the uh, fairly compelling reason for, for doing that. However, uh, the other um, key benefit is that many organisations, in fact in my experience, the majority of organisations uh, that have any kind of business continuity plans realise that by implementing a business continuity management system, which is what ISO 22301 describes, they realise that there are all sorts of gaps in their arrangements. Um, and that they don't really have a comprehensive set of, of, of capabilities. But, and even where they do, that very often their recovery plans, their contingency arrangements are based on uh, intuitive judgment or guesswork, if you like, um, uh, assumption and other things. They're not based on a sensible analysis of the business and how it actually works and how it actually would work in the event of a, of a disruption. So it provides a level of assurance that all of the things that you need to do to result in workable, sensible business continuity plans are operating correctly. And that assurance is good not only for 
uh, customers or clients, as I've already mentioned in the case of certification, but particularly for the governing body, the board of the organization, or um, even if it's a public sector or voluntary sector organization, they all have governing bodies. It's good assurance for them, and it helps them to discharge their risk management responsibilities in respect of operational disruption risks. Without a comprehensive management system, they're really left just to assume that everything is okay. How would a business continuity manager or project leader carry out a business impact analysis and risk assessment? Well, the thing about the uh, management system standards is they're not very prescriptive about how to uh, do things like this. And the, the, the business impact analysis, the BIA, and the risk assessment uh, are, are central to uh, an effective business continuity management system, particularly the BIA, because what a BIA does is it... Uh, uh, as its name suggests, it is an analysis of impact or of business impacts. Um, and, it, and, and what it does is produces or, or resolves um, a set of uh, activity recovery requirements based upon an analysis of those activities rather than it being based on intuitive judgment, uh, guesswork, guesswork and so on. Um, how to do it, though, the, uh, the standard really just says that the, the BIA um, should take into account impacts as they vary over time and also uh, dependencies including resources. So that leaves the practitioner free to uh, do this in a number of ways. However, um, in my experience, um, most of the good ways of doing BIA are fundamentally the same. Um, so in the book, I uh, give examples of how to, or, or, or the, the components of a a business impact analysis. It is a case of uh, systematically identifying business activities and that actually is one of the hardest bits of it, deciding what the business activities are. Then developing a set of criteria for measuring and analysing impact. So uh, a systematic impact scale is needed, a way of measuring the impact of disruption uh, based upon the business as opposed to some uh, impact scale that one might get from a book or from um, an internet website, the impact levels that, that uh, a disruption is going to be measured against have got to be based on the business as, as it stands. And that's, again, that's quite a, an important task and it's not always easy to get right. Actually, one of the reasons it's not easy to get right is um, the top management of the organisation has to be convinced that it is the right uh, impact scale. So you have to have one of those. You have to identify the activities. Uh, and it is then a case of getting people within the organisation to systematically look at all of their activities and to identify uh, what impacts would result from those uh, activities being disrupted over whatever timescale uh, is appropriate for the organisation. And again, getting that right is important too. Um, and then, uh, and this is the kind of black box bit, um, there is then a, a, a process of analysing that information uh, to come up with um, a sensible order of priority, or if you like, a timeline for the recovery of activities. Um, uh, in, in the book, I do uh, mention some principles of this, but uh, and, and it's not complex arithmetic or mathematics, I should say. It's, 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 it is basic arithmetic to um, analyse all of that data. Uh, and to result in um, the recovery time objectives, which is a, a term that's uh, re referred to by the standard, the recovery time objectives um, for each activity and the resources that they need. The other important thing about BIA is that 
is to remember that business activities usually depend upon other activities the organisation does. Interdependency of activities is a really important part of BIA. And if you don't get that bit right, you can end up with certain functions in an organisation being uh, recovered. They, you could have, a, say, a team of people in a temporary workplace somewhere, but they can't actually do their job because they're waiting for another function or another activity uh, to recover. So that interdependency of activities is another important ingredient. Um, as I say, it's a bit of a black box uh, situation because how to do it in, in detail is something that, that uh, one needs to, to gain some experience and insight into. Um, and, but, but there aren't, you know, fundamentally, there aren't uh, a huge number of different ways of doing it. Uh, hopefully that gives an idea as to what's required. What are your top three key points that are fundamental to a successful ISO 22301 business continuity management system implementation? I think the first one is the leadership side of it. Um, leadership is um, a section within ISO 22301, and it's not there for nothing. Uh, it's very important because the reasons to, to have an, a BCMS based on ISO 22301 have got to be uh, visible, they've got to be understood, and they've got to be agreed upon by top management. Because if the reasons for doing it aren't clear, then it's likely that in the future the um, the impetus behind the system, the, the, the desire to keep it operating, will diminish and ultimately the investment will not, will not be uh, worthy, it'll be wasted. So getting the leadership uh, on board with the project is important, making sure the commitment is there. And part of that process is to identify the resources that are needed to, to develop and implement the BCMS, and that's usually management time. Um, and also that the top management uh, gives a mandate to the executive of the company to the managers to actually do this, to use people's time to do things, to set things up so that the uh, ultimate deliverable of this, the, uh, the workable business continuity plans, um, can be created. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that uh, what we've just talked about actually, that the BIA process in particular uh, works. Um, if the recovery priorities for business activities are based on guesswork and assumption, then um, really the whole investment will be wasted because because if uh, a true disruptive incident happens then the the outturn of that is likely to be very poor and the impact will be uh, very different from what was uh, actually needed sometimes people can get it wrong by being overcautious and they end up having far higher levels of operational resilience and recovery capability than are actually needed and that becomes expensive because to invest in a lot of resilience and controls to uh, provide that capability um, sometimes isn't necessary. So that's a poor return on investment as well. So the BIA and the risk assessment process is important. Uh, the third thing is to have um, sufficient management resource to do this. I already mentioned that in the leadership part, but what's needed is a coordinator or a business continuity manager who understands um, how ISO 22301 works, what it's trying to achieve, understands what a business continuity management system is like and, and, and what it's supposed to do. And that person uh, also needs to have good uh, relationship capabilities. They need to be able to work with colleagues within the organization to do the analysis, to collect the information, to develop the processes and procedures, and to engage people in contributing towards the uh, overall uh, development and success of the, of the BCMS. Um, Common mistakes in that area are where 
the responsibility for uh, BCMS implementation is given to either somebody who hasn't got enough to do, um, and the saying, if you want something done well, give it to a busy person applies here, because um, I've seen examples of where people who haven't really got a proper job anymore are given responsibility for business continuity, and they, they usually don't uh, uh, produce a good result. Uh, the other common feature, and I won't call it a failing, but it's a common feature, is that business continuity, continuity is automatically given to the IT department. And that's usually predicated on the fact that uh, people think about disaster recovery, and as I mentioned earlier, that, that really came from IT anyway. So there is this um, uh, association between business continuity and IT, which really uh, is based upon um, the history of disaster recovery. I'm not saying it's wrong for IT people to, to do business continuity, uh, but the problem is that uh, very often the focus remains very tightly upon uh, computers and information systems, and all of the other aspects of business continuity tend sometimes get left to one side. So having a business continuity manager or co coordinator who has more of an organisation-wide view um, is uh, definitely one of the tips I would give for uh, a successful outcome of a BCMS project. Finally, from your book, what would you like your readers to take away? I think the thing is that uh, uh, business continuity management is... Um, what gets referred to as a, a holistic uh, discipline. It's about the entire organisation. It's not just about uh, computers and IT. And uh, I don't like to continually um, target IT professionals with this uh, uh, problem, really, that, that uh, business continuity has, is, has been too um, IT-centric. Um, but a recognition that business continuity is about the resumption of business activities. And IT is a resource to operate business activities, not the other way around. So focusing on the uh, products and services that the organization produces. That's probably one of the most important things. Um, at the same time, uh, it's important to understand uh, why the organization is implementing a BCMS based on 22301 and even going for accredited certification. A big part of it is assurance, providing um, really strong assurance through independent uh, accreditation or independent certification that the organization has got a set of processes that means that its business continuity arrangements will be good. That's the reason to adopt 22301, um, or it's one of the reasons, I should say. Uh, the fact that 22301 is based on uh, a set of successful practices which have been gradually refined and brought together in this single thing called ISO 22301. That's got to be recognised. Uh, it, it wasn't written overnight. It's not something that somebody, some individual has dreamt up. It is a collection of good practice from people all around the world who've been doing business continuity uh, for quite some time and successfully. So it's got all sorts of uh, features and benefits. It's not just a, uh, a one-trick pony, if you like. It, it does an awful lot of things. But I think the main thing is uh, the person leading the project has got to have this uh, cross-organisational perspective. Uh, and, and that's uh, you know, particularly an issue for top managers to consider when they're deciding who is going to lead and implement the project. Thanks, Tony. That's fantastic.